0: Completely inappropriate, but it's always weird that uh your dog's name's Charlie, because my penis name's Charlie. And so it's just really weird. What did
1: you name your penis Charlie?
0: Uh, I didn't name my penis Charlie, an ex-boyfriend named my penis Charlie, and the name just kind of made sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the name made sense. An boy for Named My Penis Charlie and the name stuck. So... <laughs> I I have so many questions. <laughs> I love the mystery. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm just I'm leaving that at that. That is... um. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: No, you, it's good. You... There, the, here's the thing. What's better than... Uh, I, this isn't the reason, but again, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. And so... Good morning, Charlie. It's taken
1: on a life of its own. Wow. You know what? At least yours has a name. I don't, I don't know that mine has a name. I yours? think I joked around with names in the past, but I don't think I was ever really serious about any of them. Uh, again, like it's
0: of course it's like not really serious. It doesn't have like a state idea or anything.
1: But, no, uh, but <laughs> is it like bad luck to not name yours? Like. <laughs>
0: possibly i don't know i've i've had nothing but good luck with it so
1: yeah i feel like i should name. But well like so you're saying that the name has to be given like it's not a name that it can doesn't be have just...
0: to be named. there are people who call like you remember that episode of friends where he's like uh little general he's like i thought it was like little lieutenant he's like well i had to give it a raise after uh i don't know some girl that is a, that is a great joke
1: yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I guess. All right, well, I guess I'll I'll think of a name I'll for think it, about maybe. It. I'll think about it. Hey, guys, if you're listening to Brum World <laughs> and you have some recommendations for what I should name my penis, please write us in at World <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> um, you will never love. hear the
0: words, Good Morning Charlie, the same again.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I say, Good Morning Charlie, every day, but <laughs> apparently you do too in a completely different way. <laughs> <laughs> when the
0: What up, bros?
1: What up, bros?
0: And welcome to Bro Meets World.
1: What is Bro Meets World?
0: Your boy meets World Fan Cast. Uh, welcome to episode thirty-three. I'm Siege. Tony Kurt, is in the place to be. Tony Kurt. Ayo, Ayo. So, where you at? What's going on?
1: Um. Well, I just saw this episode, and I'm actually kind of a fan of it. Yeah. I didn't think I was gonna like it as much as I did, but I, I'm, I'm digging this one.
0: So this episode kind of hit on all the things that like I was like it just it was relevant in several ways that I didn't think it would be mostly because not only was it like concurring all the things outside of watching this episode that I happen to be interested in, but it also has Danielle Harris, which I happen to Danielle be Harris, yeah, a, like I I was watching Charmed like the first season of Charmed, and she's in it. And then literally when I saw her, I was like, yo, what What happened to Daniel Harris? Like, what's going on here? It was just like such you a know, random- Daniel Harris was different. in a
1: bunch of stuff. She oh was, my God, I'm excited
0: he, to talk about it.
1: And so. she's so damn likable and charming in this episode. Like, I, as soon as the episode ends, I'm just like, well, I'm really bummed we don't see her again.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do want to get into that. So um, do you want to just get into it? Sure, yeah, let's listen to tell me about it. All right. Tell me about it. I don't know why, but I felt like singing along that time. <laughs>
1: no, do what? Yeah,
0: exactly. We need to make sure we harmonize next time. I'll next time,
1: you... yeah, we'll we'll get some harmonies in there. Uh, wow. a little pitch whistle.
0: <laughs> Season two, episode ten, Sister Teresa. When Amy comes home after a long day of work and asks Corey for some assistance, Cory puts his own needs first, prompting Amy to ask Corey to experiment with thinking of others and showing basic human decency. Corey, always down for a challenge, tries to spend one day showing bare minimum manners, and looking for praise for doing so. He eventually is nice to a new girl, Teresa, who takes his kindness as a sign that Corey is different. Teresa, aka TK, her interest in Corey goes from 0 to 60 as she starts to shower him with gifts and trying to be around him all the time. Corey's friends and family think TK is being too aggressive, and so Corey tries to let her down easily. TK feels rejected, and before Corey can suppress his guilt, he learns that K and TK is for Kiner and that Teresa is Harley
1: Kiner's little sister. So, can we jump right into the roll call? Because yeah, so, I want to talk about Daniel Harris. Yeah, I, I want to
0: say roll call. In our roll call, we have Teresa. AKA TK played by Daniel Harris, which we talked about in the beginning uh, of fame that, I mean, one of my favorite movies, don't tell mom, the babysitters dead. Um, Halloween,
1: See uh, that's that's where I know her from. she yeah. is forever Michael Myers's niece. Yeah, and exactly. I, I I grew up in a family where like I had a lot of older cousins. We watched a lot of horror movies all the time. So those Halloween movies, especially being kids, and her that one being about a kid, like yeah. I watched that all the time. I love that.
0: Uh, as I mentioned earlier, she was in Charmed,
1: and also I did not know this. She was the voice actress of Debbie in Wild Thornberry. Thornberries, Wild Thornberries. Yeah, she was. She was. Also I did yet- not know that. She had a stint on Roseanne for a while, too, when she was younger. She also had, like, a small part in the movie, Free Willy. Yeah, Um, she's one of those 90s faces, right? She was one of those 90s kids, yeah. And you know what? It's so interesting, because I feel like that whole batch of just, like, random 90s stars that we only saw on, like, teen sitcoms, I felt like if they were alive now with what social media is, they may have been able to build a brand for themselves outside of the limitations of the 90s. You know what I mean? I do. she's awesome. I agree.
0: I mean, because honestly, I'm thinking about it. She's she's kind of like in the same, not only does she kind of look like her, but she's in the same vein as Christina Ricci to me. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, like sure. A,
1: they were in, just in 90s things. <laughs> and I just, I I, I wonder too, if it, is it just a thing of just like, you know, what you have. Uh, you know, her and Jennifer Love Hewitt and you have Danielle Harris and they're all up for the same part. Like, is it just that Jennifer Love Hewitt got the role and that's why she took off? Like, it. what is it that kept Danielle Harris from reaching that point? Because everything I've seen of her in this episode leads me to believe that she is star making material.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, when I watched her in Charmed, it was something where, don't get me wrong, it's Charmed. It was overacted. But it is a thing where you remember her. And with the exposure that she had, you do wonder, like, uh, I'll even throw in Thor Birch, you know it's just kind of like some people like these were all if this was like a class or like the um, what am I thinking of the Mickey Mouse Club like class, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah some just made it and some didn't and you wonder why because like you all went to the same you all did the same
1: things and you read and whole- you all probably auditioned for the same parts too. exactly
0: exactly so i guess some things just like america gravitated towards and you lucked out you know what i mean yeah it's just it, it really
1: is a shame like I, there's going to be a, a ton of times throughout the series that there's going to be a guest star that we really fall in love with um and just to see, just her like shine like this in this role, um, that could have been really annoying. The character could have been extremely annoying, but she is so charming that she pulled it off.
0: Especially at the end, like the final scene. Yeah, there's, there's something was about that that's funny enduring. Yeah, it's re- I same yeah, here. I like laughed at it. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, what I'm learning with uh, this series is there are lots of latent. Things in my mind that I forgot that I knew, but then like when I'm watching it, my mind will fill in the blanks. And what I mean by that like what is when uh, Feeney sees TK plus CM, uh, and he's like, "What do you think CM stands for?" My mind said corn muffin, and I was like, "Where did that come from?" Guess uh, that. Yeah, my mind, but uh, what I'm saying is I didn't guess it. My mind had it stored in there for some reason. My mind knew that that was the punchline. Like Like in the back of your head, you saved that joke. Exactly. I don't know why. My mind can't remember where my keys are. I don't have no idea where my uh, wallet is. I almost left my debit card like three times this week, uh, in the machine, but it knew corn muffin. (laughs) So, um, but in this vein, and I and I love that you brought it up. There are going to be a lot of little side conversations I have with this episode because it sets up scenes where I'm like, I want to know more or like, yeah, this is like very, very uh, relevant to like adult life. And as a kid, you just don't get it because when we enter the episode, well, um, you know what, before we do that, first impressions, where are you at? What were your first thoughts?
1: My first thought was that I love TK eventually. I was kind of on the fence about her, but I initially liked her so much. Like that first interaction she has with Corey, I thought was really cute. And I just, you know what I also liked? And I think it was partially just because we've been talking about the female characters on the show so much, is that this girl had spunk. She had, um, she was she was dominant. She was the dominant one in the relationship. And I don't know that we've seen that done boy meets world yet uh where the female was more dominant i guess with uh eric and desiree but i don't know if that counts no that wasn't like that was
0: manipulative
1: Not yeah yeah i mean she definitely had the the upper hand on the relationship but just in a different way yeah um so yeah it was just it was very interesting to see just a different kind of female character and i really like that a lot about this episode
0: well what's funny to me that you bring that up is that I looked at this episode and I was like, I like this episode. But what if we had gotten TK's perspective on it? Or like we had taken her storyline a little bit more than we did Corey's. Or what if Topanga
1: dated Harley?
0: You know, it's like, a, what? why can't we have, or like, why can't Topanga be in this episode? Topanga
1: can't-, can't date Harley because he would be on the list where he couldn't live near schools he is an adult <laughs> Topanga is a child I don't know how many R. Kelly songs you've been listening to over the weekend but that just doesn't fly Siege
0: <laughs> okay I'll give you that but what I'm saying is why can't as much as I love this episode I was wishing for a female plot line you know what I mean like I kept asking myself, why can't Topanga be in here? To be fair, I've also been listening to the Bechtel test, our Bechtel cast podcast. And a lot of that is like whether or not female characters are even on screen together at the same time. Sure, yeah. Let alone do they have a conversation. That doesn't
1: revolve around them
0: Exactly. And this was just one, we'll we'll get into it. But anyway, it's got to go back to the beginning and we're not going to do it point by point. But I did want to bring up... Can you imagine? Again, Amy has just Oh came my home. goodness. Her Fun. hands are
1: full. full. The bags are breaking. And Corey's inside right there. He could easily <laughs> open up the door. He is microwaving his goddamn socks. He satisfied in reason.
0: the bad breaks, and he picks up just the celery and the peanut butter. Which by the way, I love that snack. That is a snack I would eat all the time after school.
1: It was very, very true to real life for me. But celery uh, without peanut butter is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I can't no, maybe ranch, maybe, but nah, it's peanut no. Butter it all needs the way. peanut butter exactly. I also just had like a
0: huge spoon, spoonful of peanut butter, and when I went back home, my mom was like, "I almost went and bought you peanut butter I just love so you had butter. like a jar." Yeah, <laughs> uh, what it made me think of the whole scene with Amy is: Have you seen that meme where it's like, can you imagine? Working all day, coming home, and your child didn't take out the chicken.
1: And yeah, like like now that I'm older, things like that. Just like I told you four (laughs) times, I called you, and you said you you were doing it while you were on the phone.
0: (laughs) Can you just imagine?
1: Like again, now, like it's one of those things where it's like, as an
0: adult, the idea of coming home and knowing that you still have to cook to eat, and that you have kids to take care of. But then you come home and the one thing that you asked to be done <laughs> that would make all of this easier hasn't been done. Oh, it's just like it makes me want to burn something just thinking about it. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it just I mean, I I I felt like Corey has picked up Alan's worst habits. I feel like that's what we're supposed to see here. Like, the whole episode was about Corey being more polite, but it should have been about Alan setting a better example for his son.
0: Which is also funny because when you... One of the other points that I pull out of uh, this episode is the importance of a strong male figure. You know? Did you get that at
1: all? Yeah, I mean definitely from Teresa talking about like her experience with her dad and just like Harley's relationship or Harvey should yeah. we say, <laughs> um, just the impact that he's had on her life. Like you really see the importance of what it means to have a strong male role model. Even like if you zoom in on Corey and Alan's relationship, who the reason why Corey didn't help his mom is because he was following the example of his father. Exactly. So, and which by the just, way,
0: Looking at this, and the whole beginning of the episode, I was like, the the bar for straight men, um, and if we have to throw in white, which is not always, but if we throw in white, the bar for straight white men is so low.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll say for straight men, because to be honest, I can't say that I wouldn't see this exact same bit on, like, the are the or, or, you know. No,
0: no, no, I said,
1: like, it applies to all straight
0: men, but if you yeah, add yeah. in white, it's just like... Plus some,
1: you know? Sure, sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was just, to me, it was just uh, really just a chance that Boy Meets World had to have Alan mature in a good way. Um, that they just kind of dropped the ball on again. But again, I mean, whatever. They've kind of given up on Alan and Amy <laughs> and Morgan, who we see for the first time. She looks like she's grown three years. Her voice dropped an octave. She had one line, and I was like, oh, you're not cute anymore, and she I was away. like,
0: her voice did change. Morgan's voice did change. I noticed that.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: But no, like, I want to go back to the, the low bar, and it's because this all happens because Amy's like, have you considered being a decent person? And so not only does Corey go around being like, oh, hey, I'm going to be nice. And by the way, when someone's like, thank you for being nice, he's like, tell my mother. Uh, But also, like, he gets Teresa's attention because he wasn't a douchebag.
1: I really, the most unrealistic thing for me in this whole episode was Corey going, you know what, I'm going to be polite all day just to show mom I can. <laughs> like, what? No, that's something you're like, okay, mom, and then you just go on living your life. Like, that to me was the most unrealistic part of
0: it. Well, it is, but I, as I said, Corey's one of those people where, even in the, uh, tell me about it, I was like, Corey loves, like, he'll get things every now and then that makes him consider people outside of himself. And he's like, what would that world look like? What would happen if I helped another person for no real reason? um and he for him it's just like this cool experiment thing to try and you're like why is that unusual for you why is like holding the door open this big gesture in your mind
1: yeah and the other thing was just that he was being nice in a way that was like hey give me appreciation for me being nice to you exactly. that's not being nice that's not being nice
0: but again Teresa's like oh wow you're really put together, because you picked up the books that you made me drop. You're a very polite fella. Thank you. And your smile, it's kind of engaging. Yeah, I use the toothpaste with swirls.
1: <laughs>
0: Humorous, too. You got possibilities. Turn around, let me look at you. I don't usually go for Velcro heads, but on you, I don't know, it's working for me. You got a name? Uh, Corey. I'm Teresa my friends call me tk
1: you know what's really funny too like she she's like hey let me get a look at you turn around and like he turned around and she stares she looks she gets a glimpse of his ass her eyes get big and she's (laughs) like you know what i don't really date they'll grow heads, but I'll make an exception for you after checking out his ass. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, the ass is this really... This brings really, up a really at. big question I have about this episode, which is, what was TK's intention with Corey? Because it seemed to me that she was trying to ride his oh <laughs> You're an idiot, and I
0: don't know why I still do this podcast with you.
1: <laughs> Am I wrong though? Like, she is literally like Frankie. I'm going to give you money to leave this car so we can get it on in the back. Oh seat. no,
0: no. It, I mean, that's heavily implied. Again, they there's a scene where they bring up is is
1: she fresh, and all the guys are like, oh yeah, and then no, yeah, that's that that. What was so crazy about it? Because uh, Har- Harley, I keep I, I keep on yeah. to say Harvey. Harley's like. Oh, um, is is this true about TK? Is she fast like this guy says he is? She is? And all the guys are like, yeah, like they all got with her. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they were all like, oh
0: for sure.
1: Any of you guys know a girl named TK? Is she fast like he says she is? Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: You guys know the K in TK? Stands for my sister. Oh no. <laughs> no. <laughs> there when you first see TK. Loves CM. To me, it looked like TK loves cum. And <laughs> was,
1: you know what? It does look like that.
0: <laughs> it looks like TK loves cum. And I was like, this is a terrible thing. I hate this.
1: I was just really I the entire time I could not figure out what it was she wanted from Corey. Because she within the day of meeting him rearranges her homeroom to be the same homeroom as his, Yep. asks the teacher if she could sit in his lap for the remainder <laughs> of the class. She sends flowers. She sends a clown that if ever he arrived says, at my door, <laughs> I would literally burn it on sight because it's terrifying. That clown and is terrifying. She sends sirloins, which I have to say, as an adult, extremely <laughs> thoughtful.
0: Extremely, it's one of those things he's like, yo,
1: steak? This that's the I one ate. gift that I would be on board with like if I had a kid and it was like hey clearly this girl's trying to buy your affection but like these steaks are really great so maybe you should go out with her for a little bit longer <laughs>
0: she's like sirloin steak <laughs> yo especially alright so again you were trying to feed a
1: family of five um <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> this Every, is more of an economic choice this is a Sean's <laughs> mentality we're in Sean's mind exactly.
0: Right and then also I love that even the delivery guy was like yo these steaks are A1 We're gonna. (laughs) Um, So also, like one of the things that we were talking about with Teresa is, I as I said, I was kind of missing this female element, and I wish Topanga was in this episode. Um, Like, like as a matter of fact, when we see her the classroom scene, I'm like, who's this bitch in Topanga's (laughs) seat?
1: I just am so confused as to like what is going on with Topanga because like. In one episode, they'll have a Cory and Topanga moment. Then the next episode, he's with some rando. Back to Topanga with some rando. I'm, what's what's happening here?
0: Yeah, and what I'm saying is, if there's another female character, usually unless she's seen as like a foe, she's like Topanga's not in the episode, and that's what I'm saying. I'm just starting to notice. I'm like, why can't Topanga still be there?
1: Especially there's only at room for one female. <laughs> but maybe, they have this a quota.
0: Goes, maybe this goes back to the whole idea that we're seeing it through Corey's perspective. So when Corey gets any other female interest at this point in time, Topanga just ceased
1: to exist. Wow. Isn't that such a shitty thing about Corey then? Yeah. Like, I mean, don't whenever me Topanga's around the- out of sight, out of mind. Exactly.
0: It's one of those things where it's like, uh, I, I would love it if, like, that's what Topanga, like the girl in front of Corey in this episode, is what Topanga actually looks like. But, <laughs> but to
1: Corey, he's not thinking about her that way anymore. So it's just like I don't know, random girl. Yeah, what is that? That is really. Oh. You know what though? I wonder if that's just again part of their overall scheme to space out the relationship. I just wish there would be like a, hey, we're gonna do Topanga for a few episodes, and then explain why she's not around for a few episodes or like I mean, even
0: Jesus. even if it's the sense that like like they do with Morgan or Eric, it's like you can be there and not like really have a dominant role
1: they're playing that's all where, Morgan's exactly. been
0: exactly. it's like you still exist, we still acknowledge that you're here, you know um, what?
1: I think they do that later on in the show, yeah, I think what happens is is that from a budgetary reason, they can only pay so many actors at a time. So that's why you don't really see Topanga in a lot of the background yet. However, I think as we start seeing less of the other side characters and more of just the focus on the four kids, um, that they're always around in the background.
0: But I feel that, and it could be a pricing issue, but you're telling me that we needed Eric in this episode and we couldn't use Topanga in the classroom scene.
1: No, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, especially because at one point, In the beginning of the episode, Corey wants to decide. He's like, oh, I'm going to be polite to Eric. Watch this. He opens the door for the boys' room, the bathroom for Eric. Is the boys' room not Feeney's office? I was going to say, well, we know that that's an
0: inconsistency in this show. That thing changes from the bathroom to Feeny's office every other episode.
1: The the thing I wish is that like okay if you're gonna do the bathroom office switch at least try to make the hallway look like a different hallway put up <laughs> different posters maybe have a water fountain in one and not the other like move it around to just subtle things to make us exactly. feel like it's not the same maybe the bathroom is in front of Jonathan's office, but the principal's room is in front of a different classroom. Like, just something. Yeah, they um, could
0: they could definitely try. I mean, how hard would it be to literally make it up the stair? One's up the stairs and one's downstairs. You know, it's like, it's really yeah. not that hard, but, you know, uh, you get what you get with this show. Uh, sure, sure. And, you know, sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's like you guys literally couldn't put it in a
1: little more effort. Like, just um, a bit. I have a question about Teresa's gifts. Are we to understand that these gifts are through her shady people connections with her brother and family members? Yep. Okay.
0: They're clearly, it's like, again, it's very stereotypical. And as Helene had said a while ago, pseudo-racist, where it's like uh, they're Italian, so they have like mob connections or whatever. It's very, it's... Uh, It's weird. It's also. Yeah,
1: because it seems like that Teresa and her, like Kiner gang. Yeah. Um, Kiner crew. They, the Kiner crew. They seem to have the same connections that Sean seems to have. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me wonder. I don't understand why the Kiner crew doesn't attach more to Sean. They seem to have so much in common with him. That's a very good point that I never thought of. Like, he's, they, they're from, like, the same neighborhood. Like, we later find out that, like, Frankie's trailer is, like, three trailers down from Sean's or something like that. Like, they clearly have family with similar connections and similar past and history. Like, it wouldn't make sense for them to more so try to recruit Sean. And Maybe that's just because I know who Sean's going to be. Yeah. But, that, I don't know. That just seemed like they would be a good fit.
0: But they also did a lot of that hinting. It's, it's one of those things where, when we watch this episode, we get more fleshed out Little hints at who Sh- Sean is and his background, you know. So it's like, yeah. a, a, what, how did you get here? Oh, my house is on the other side of the fence, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It's just like things <laughs> like that. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very interested in this. So I also wanted to bring up, um, not only were, were we talking about the gifts and what has come, I thought it was really funny because we had just talked about love languages. And hers is clearly. Yeah, I wrote that down too. That her
1: love language is clearly gift giving.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it was really funny to me uh, because we had just spoken about it. That was it. That's all I wanted to say.
1: She said, "I like sending you things. You're my guy. It makes me feel like make me feel ladylike." Yeah, I thought thought that was a really strange thing to say. Like, gift giving makes me feel ladylike because I don't necessarily know that I know of a stereotype in which gift giving is perceived to be a, a thing a lady does. Yeah, um, but that, again,
0: that brings up questions about her family dynamic and and what she witnesses.
1: Um, okay, can we talk about that? Because on the date that she's on with Corey, she starts talking about how her dad left her at a baseball game forever. Fucked up <laughs> on her on her birthday to go bang this redhead. And again, I stretch the face. She she the dad met the redhead at the game. And then left the daughter forever, yep. never to come back. She said that um, was the
0: last time I saw him.
1: Which is a wild story. Um, and then she's like, oh, I called my mom, but she was <clears throat> under the weather. Yeah,
0: what did that under the weather mean? That I under
1: started. the weather meant that her mom was an, an addict.
0: That's what I thought. I thought, but I wasn't sure.
1: That's immediately what I thought, and I thought I was like, "Wow, boy, I me mean too." Like, this is TGIF implying that this like random character's mom is a drug addict or something like, yeah. or an alcoholic or something like. That was, oh, okay. which leads
0: to a backstory. I mean, all of this is true, and I uh, I was kind of trying to use this as a segue. This does two things. One, we get kind of our first baseball reference in a while. Uh, yeah.
1: Corey references baseball for the first time this season and talks about how much he loved going to games last year with his brother.
0: Yeah. So that's very interesting. And then we also get a human backstory to Harley.
1: Yes. Uh, again, and I want to talk Harvey. about that too. Your thoughts about him as Harley, the brother.
0: Yes. Uh, it's actually pretty amazing because as an older brother um, who also had to like help raise my, little sister it's interesting the responsibility he takes on that and you kind of in a way can see why he is who he is like think, think about it for a second you have someone who assuming they share the same father uh the same set of parents you have someone whose father's a deadbeat whose mother's an addict Clearly, neither of them are bringing in consistent money. So he he the first thing he mentions is he spent so much time collecting lunch money and doing you know kind he's of doing
1: I'm, it for her.
0: Yeah, he's doing wow. it for her. He's doing it for his family. He's literally supporting. That would even explain why he's still in school. You know what I mean? It's like a, he it's didn't his have main source to... of income. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he didn't have time to focus on education. He's hustling. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And that puts a different light on it. And they even kind of lean into that because he's, he seems to take family very seriously. Uh, not only is he like immediately nicer to Corey once he sees that Teresa's interested, but when he hears what's going on with Teresa
1: he's disappointed he bl- in himself. In, in himself. He's like, you know, I, I try to do my best to raise him right. And I know that's like a joke that they were doing, but it wasn't really. Like, he's really taking it to heart because he feels solely responsible for the way she's turned out. Exactly. Um,
0: and that's my whole thing. It's like, uh, Corey's like, you know, she's not a bad person, which I, I want to get into. And he goes, look, no, I know that. But he's like, I just, I I haven't spent enough time with her. And he understands that importance and I think that that is wildly interesting yeah um, a
1: very interesting backstory to give Harley. and kind of like like almost not really understanding like the the magnitude of the that backstory with him I guess it feels like it was a real underhanded pass of a of a backstory but actually had some huge weight when you start to dissect it yeah um I when I did it I guess w- my only comment to what you just said is that, um, Harley, there are better ways to make money off a of high schooler yeah. than stealing their lunch money. Yeah. I I can see why Boy Meets World didn't want to go down the drug path, but what you just described is a man who could probably make some really decent money selling weed or coke. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, that
0: I mean, like, there's that, and then there's also the fact that I feel... As you said, they just kind of, like, hinted at it to give him some depth without really wanting to put any weight behind it. But it's something that if we were to make this show now, I feel they would really expand on that, you know? It's it's almost like a pseudo-redemption story arc. Without... Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I just feel like, too, it's this interesting thing because they have this heart-to-heart. And then Corey's like, hey, so are we cool? And he's it's like, cool. no, we're not cool. Like, yeah. Like, I love that Harley has this kind of almost allegiance to only the few people he does trust, which is his sister and Harley. I mean, and Frankie and Joey. And no matter what moments he has with any teachers or parents or kids, like, he's gonna resort back to being him. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, because you said it didn't change their dynamic, but he has definitely reconsidered or recontextualized uh, his position with his sister. You know, like, he, like, I'm not gonna think of, That much differently of you but i i still see you as a good guy but i'm still gonna rag on you i'm still gonna do the things that i want to do with you but um thank you almost in a way for making me see the importance of a role i play with my sister
1: yeah yeah I, i thought that was a really that was a really powerful moment that was acted all right yeah by harley yeah um I don't know who this actor is who plays him. I should probably know that. But. Oh, my
0: God. You should really... Because, all right, um, uh, his name is Danny McNulty. And the reason why I bring that up is because Danny McNulty recently tweeted how much he enjoyed playing this character. Really? He, um, he talked about how... Yeah, he literally, like, this last week uh, understood...
1: He said, On August 4th, I really do miss the magic of being able to be a part of Girl Meets World. It meant the world to me to be able to come back again as Harley Kiner and get a chance to work with such a wonderfully talented tribe of individuals. And thank you, Disney Channel, for giving the show an opportunity to shine, even though its world was ended way before its prime time. Oh
0: Yeah. And again, it's like, I I love... And even with that, like when they brought his character back in Girl Meets World, um, it's someone who still takes his responsibility very seriously um yeah and i don't know it's it it is this great backstory uh or like story in the background of a character that you
1: usually don't see a lot about yeah that was just that was just a really interesting choices all around yeah, and again, it, it to me,
0: it echoes what I said, where it's like we would have gotten more, we would have learned more about him had this show been made uh, in 2018.
1: Um, I did just do the math, just because I was curious what, after looking up his Wikipedia. He was 22, 23 while filming this. All so right, so he wasn't that old. You wasn't really that like he much was older. Yeah, <laughs> to me, he looks as old as Jonathan, but I, clearly he's just a, an older-looking person like i no different than anyone i'm not no 210 or anything yeah but
0: then again he does like he is made to look like the greasers from greece and they were 30 well what
1: i what i realized (laughs) is that you're a 100 percent right because i thought he was supposed to be like this fonzie character but to me i was like no he's reading way more vinnie barberino yeah john travolta to me than he is uh greece so i mean our our happy days so that's that definitely a strong travolta influence there yeah very much so
0: before sandy
1: before sandy yes yeah. <laughs> the, the doucherie that took place before sandy um can we one i'm i, I don't know how important this is but i wrote this down i thought was funny apparently sean broke a freezer so they wouldn't have fish kebabs for lunch <laughs> yeah, and I yeah thought that yeah. was really funny <laughs> yeah no that
0: i did i saw that too uh and the morning announcements which by the way was going to be my
1: turned on by turner moment uh because yeah mr turner Oh, when he found out that his bike was in trouble
0: no 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 honestly it's not that scene there's the scene where he oh he's
1: just kind of going through the yeah what's going on in the morning yeah the morning and the boys are talking he's just like listen i'm i'm sorry i was teaching while you were talking (laughs) my mistake No problem. (laughs) Guys, while you're here in my class,
0: whatever personal stuff you got going on, check it at the door.
1: Hey, yo, you Mr. Turner? Yeah, Janet above wants to see you down in the parking lot. Someone about his truck running over your motorcycle. My bike? (laughs) Great poems.
0: And when we're talking about um, Teresa and this conversation that Harley and Corey has, this was another moment where I was like, why are we not having this moment with teresa why is harley and teresa not having this moment and i know that it's because in reality this the show focuses on Corey, but i think that well
1: i think that the other thing too is just that they're probably wanting to like this is kind of a backwards way of, of giving him a backstory so like as they have to include him because he's the character that's going to stick around. Although I do agree that I don't like two men discussing like a woman's choices. That's what I'm name. saying. Like it's, it's the idea, like, especially
0: for me, it's when Corey says she's not a bad person. And Frankie's like, our Harley's like, I know. Um, And, you know, there's this discussion of her being fast. And uh, it's like, why are you not talking to Teresa about this? Why are you talking, you know, not talking about Teresa, about the fact that Harvey should be spending more time and the importance of the role? It's just, it feels ick to me.
1: Sure, sure. Um yeah, I just didn't care for that either. I didn't care for the way that Harley tried to control their relationship. I thought that was really unhealthy, the way he was, like, forcing Corey to go on a date that he clearly didn't want to go on. Like, obviously, I understand, like, the the feeble-mindedness of, no, this will make my sister happy, so you're going to do it. But, yeah. I mean, obviously, forcing someone to go on a date they don't want to go on is not going to be a great success. Um, yeah, I, I just didn't really care for the control aspect that he was... Uh, of, of Harley and their relationship.
0: Exactly. Um, but all right. So speaking of Harley, um, so there are these things that we do where I'm unsure of what the message is supposed to be in this, because at one point in time, Corey says politeness kills. And it's even kind of sold that Corey's in this position because, because
1: his mom told him to be polite
0: exactly it's Amy's
1: fault that he's yeah, which
0: i love us. when she goes how are you pawning this off on me you know and he's like a wait he's like it's kind of your fault that this is i'm even in this situation Again, yeah it biologic. is amy <laughs>
1: yeah you told me to be polite and nice to people and this is what happens when i do that i get a girl who's all over me sending me steaks and now i'm forced to go out with her mom yeah. a few things that i want to bring up
0: one um, we get a
1: little bit more support of the Frankie being gay theory. Well, they did insinuate that Corey would have a date with Frankie. I'm assuming they meant like a fight date, but then again, I don't no, know. What it's fight again, date it's is. for me. A fight date is something that Rihanna went on that we're still talking about. That is terrible, and I will not allow you to do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's it's it's kind of it's kind of played as the same thing as like a prison rape joke. But it's like uh if you don't go on this date your next date'll be with Frankie and oh yeah there is
1: there is a little bit of a I do I do feel that a, a bit of prison rapiness going yeah on with but that at Joe. the same time
0: the fact that he you know chooses Frankie and we've already had like you know I don't know there's just there's something there and I was like uh, Frankie you know, might possibly be a homosexual himself because and that's what I'm is. saying it's kind of like a thing where for me I felt that Harley was saying, you either date my sister, or I'll make sure... You know, it's like, I know someone else who would like to date you, and I'll make sure that happens. You know what I mean? And you may not like that one as much.
1: No, you won't, because he's not bringing flowers. He said so.
0: <laughs> also, so when when uh, Corey thinks that he's, you know, set up, he's like, how could it be any worse? And he's like, oh, Frankie's at the door. I only bring up that scene because... Corey in that tie. They go, what does he look like? Or there's some scene where they talk about
1: that. puppet.
0: No, my thought was he looked like he should be selling bean pies on like the side oh. of the road. You know
1: what I mean? Oh my goodness. <laughs> bean does he pies. not look
0: like very like Farrakhan in that outfit? Like if he, he told you
1: <laughs> I I guess I guess yeah. I didn't think of Corey Matthews in a, in a Farrakhan setup, but yeah, that is
0: <laughs> He just has that look. That's what I like if you again it's of course not, because Corey's white. But like, if you saw a black man in that exact same suit, you would be one hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. I saw it in my mind immediately. It was like this man's going to try to sell you a bean pie. <laughs> I have
1: I have some questions about TK, and my question is: is that like, are we rooting for? Her or are we not rooting for her? Because she's super sweet, she's super charming, but she is admittedly moving way too fast. Again, changed her home room, sent gifts to his home address several to the point where the dad made friends with the delivery man Tony, <laughs> who later went into the kitchen and prepared steaks for the family.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. It's interesting because what I kept looking at when I was looking at their dynamic is would this be different or would it be played for last if the roles were reversed?
1: That's what I had a hard time dealing with too, because at one point she's like, I'm going to go grab my books and then you're going to walk me home. And I was like, Oh, I feel uncomfortable with the way she's kind of demanding him to do that. But I was like, if the roles were reversed, I would still feel uncomfortable by it, but I don't know that I would pause the same way. Exactly. I don't know. Like, I, I think if, there's two things going on here.
0: One, the idea of her being so demanding and, in a way, controlling, um, is is a, is in fact a, a red flag in any relationship. But at the same time, because she's a girl that's doing so, you kind of want to give her the benefit of the doubt that she's just being assertive and goes for what she wants, and it's coming off weird because of how we are programmed to receive this from a male character. Does that make I sense? I gotta
1: say, though, if I saw a man acting like this, I would still think he was kind of an asshole. Like, that whole, like, ordering for a woman at a restaurant kind of thing. Like, that just taking control. Like, there's there's one thing between being, like... um more dominant and uh, more assertive. And then there's another thing to just be presumptuous and controlling. And that's kind of sort of the vibe I got from TK at points. There was other times where I'm like, wow, there's obviously a deeper person here. But um, she clearly has some issues. She really needs to work out because she attached herself to this kid so quickly. Um, yeah. You and know, apparently I, he's not the first one. Yeah. So. I, <laughs> I, I agree with you. And I think you hit it the, hell, sorry,
0: you hit the nail on the head. Uh, there which is that it's still unhealthy it is any kind of controlling behavior like this is is bad and no one should uh and i think just seeing it come from a female character makes you pause does that mean, like am i am i
1: no no i mean i definitely f- that's what i'm wondering though like because i i do think i would pause even if it was a guy i just think it's toxic behavior for any relationship for someone to be controlling that way
0: it is and I don't disagree I'm just saying yeah. that there's there's something about her being a girl that makes it that makes you at least consider it differently
1: well again I think that goes to the strength of Daniel Harris as well because if it was like the girl from like the party that Corey wanted to go to I wouldn't have cared at all yeah Daniel Harris really like especially like I felt like that car date scene was just really important for us to just find out that she's a person that's just not all eccentric because yeah. again, like yeah. Corey coming home and getting all those gifts right away, spray painting his name on the, the that was cuckoo crazy. If I talked to a girl two days ago and she spray painted our initials with a heart on lockers, Jesus, red flag run. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: Which, by the way, this is completely not relevant. But why did Corey get detention for that?
1: He took it for her.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. But, like, the fact that even Feeney would give it to him, it's like, it says it says TK loves CM. Which, first of all, you have no evidence on that it is Corey Matthews. You're telling me that is the only CM in the entire school. And then, second of all, it's like, Corey is clearly the, I don't want to say victim, but he's the... Recipient of this token of
1: love, not necessarily the other way around. So why would you give it to him? A hundred percent. Also, are we to believe that a public uh, vandalism only gets you detention? (laughs) Especially from Feeny of all things. That's what I mean. Like, it's not even that it was like the small thing that they could cover up. Like, no, this was huge in public. And they're like, well, I guess you'll get detention. What? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Do you have anything else that you want to say? No, I feel like we pretty much covered everything.
0: Yeah. I think I, we covered all of my notes. Uh, yeah. What's your bra moment? Where are you at?
1: Yeah. I guess my bra moment was just uh, the way that she was moving very, very quickly in the relationship. And I, I think that we do get a lot of that, uh, you know, amongst all relationships of just like getting really excited or, or meeting someone. But in, in, her particular situation, there were so much family issues that she was trying to use this relationship to cushion herself for or use as a crutch. And I just thought that was a real and again I don't know as far as like twenty eighteen versus two thousand like nineteen ninety four or whatever. Um, but I that was just the moment that really I was just like, whoa, let me sit and think about that for a bit. And why does she need this relationship so strongly? And why what does Corey mean to this girl who has no man that she can depend on and all of a sudden she meets this trustworthy man that she's ready to give him everything yeah it's not just it's not because she doesn't like him she definitely likes him probably more than the other guys and that's why she's going balls to the wall with this yeah because she's so afraid of losing the one person who she thinks will be the replacement of her dad like that is bruh yeah bruh. yeah
0: that's definitely a moment um and my mine uh I, I just keep coming back to this moment when they're in the hallway and they talk about her sexuality um, and her being fast and everything. It's just, for me, that that bra moment for me was this situation of, A, not only is it not played very judgmental, you know, like immediately, they're like, she's not a bad person, which I, uh, I, I, I liked that they threw that in there. But it for me, that was a moment where I was like, if this was 2018, I would hope that she, we would have, be having this conversation with her you know it's like i would hope that she, it, her narrative would take the center place her and her brother talking about this um would kind of take center stage and and that's yeah, where and i was for, for me i
1: will i will agree that there was never a moment where we just saw tk and harley having like that's a saying. moment together and it's like why would, why would we make Corey the central piece of their dynamic? Like, I, if, if you're going to have Corey, like bring Harley in to talk to her at the end or something like that and have like, okay, you know what, Harley, I'm going to make the, you know, you and your sister are going to make things right here. Exactly. Come talk to me. We're going to find her like, have him kind of play. Like these do that with Hey Arnold all the time. Like, yeah. like he's always the one who was just like repairing other people's relationships. Corey can be that person. Yeah. But like, otherwise, what's gonna change with their dynamic because that's the one that matters as far as these characters that we just met and found all this crazy backstory for as a matter Um, of
0: fact now that i think about it do harley and
1: teresa even share screen time at all i think the literally the only time they share a scene is when harley comes to take corey from the date like that's the only time they see each other the rest of it is corey i mean um uh Jillian, yeah. and frankie yeah exactly
0: that's what i'm saying so yeah that one scene is it outside of that there's there's like if we're supposed to believe this relationship is as important as it is i just feel like there was a lot lost opportunity there and
1: especially to also connect like, we know the role that Harley plays with um, Teresa and, like, coming to pick her up and everything like that. But we never, like, take that moment to be like, wow, these are Harley's parents, too, that we're learning about. Like, there's never that, that connection. And then maybe we're supposed to, as an audience, just kind of come to that conclusion that, like, oh, well, this gives us a, a, a small piece of what this character went through. But it doesn't really. It's a what this character who's related to this character went to. It'd be like finding out, like, well, Sean's sister has a really bad relationship with Sean's dad. Okay, well, let's talk about Sean for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. A
0: little bit. Um, Yeah. Speaking of which, something that's also related to Sean, and we don't have to get into it really, but I just want to bring it up because it will be important later. The idea of the Matthews as a rehabilitation center for others You know, like this idea that the Oh, like when he
1: brings Teresa to the dinner table at the end? Exactly.
0: Like they're like reforming other people. Um, And you know
1: what's funny? It doesn't seem like the Matthews are purposely trying to do that. I just feel that that this is the anxiety that lower class people have around people of a higher class, that they feel like they need to be on their best behavior in order to be accepted.
0: Yeah. No, I I just wanted to bring it up because as we've uh, spoken about, this will become a strong storyline or thread with sean's character but this isn't the the last time the matthews family is seen as like this redemption center
1: you know oh no we're gonna see a lot
0: more of that so that was just one of the things that uh, i noticed okay grades where grade are you giving this
1: i'm gonna give this episode a b plus i enjoyed it quite a bit i didn't think i was I don't think it's specifically like one that I would state to be my favorite or that it would be super memorable, but I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, actually, uh, I'm going to give it a B minus, and we give it a B minus because I I really enjoyed this episode way more than I thought it would, but the lessons were kind of all over the place for me. Like again, there's it didn't really state whether or not the politeness thing was a positive or a negative. It didn't. Yeah, legally... you know what?
1: You're right. You're right. This was. There is some sloppiness here with the storytelling. I'm going to break it down to a B minus as well. Okay.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice to, um,
1: yeah. Do we need to go over the Feeny taught me? Do you have any strong lessons? Yeah. I think I thought the Feeny taught me was going to be being polite pays off, but you're right. There's no conclusion (laughs) to that argument whatsoever. Yeah. My, my note is, uh, the Feeny lesson is
0: people are starving for human decency. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the Feeny lesson maybe is supposed to be taken from, like, Teresa, but we don't even come to, like, anything with her. Like, she doesn't come to, like, an aha moment where she's like, you're right, Corey, I don't need to act like this. Or I don't, like, there's no point she gets to. We just find out about her. There's no resolution to her. Exactly. I don't know that there is a female lesson here. Guys, if you know one, let us know.
0: All right. Uh, homework. Do you have homework for this week?
1: Yes. My homework is that there is a very beautiful Ken Burns documentary about Vietnam on Netflix that I've just finished. It is very, very long. But as someone who didn't know jack shit about Vietnam, I feel like I know everything about Vietnam. I feel so personally attached to this. And it's so interesting, like in school, we, you and I were kind of talking about this, how it, Vietnam isn't something that's really covered or discussed very well just because there's so much shame attached to it. But it was very interesting watching this. I felt like everything I knew about the sixties and seventies was like a puzzle. And there was all these pieces missing in Vietnam, just completely like pieced together this puzzle that was like, Oh, that's why, Oh, that, this is all making so much sense now. And this is why our country's this way. And I just learned a lot about our country and it's,
0: do you know why we didn't even pull, I mean, I'm sure you do, but we didn't even pull out of the war when we were supposed to, because they didn't want to give credit to uh, the, they didn't want to give credit to one president. (laughs)
1: No, no president wanted to be the the president to lose a war. That's exactly. why the war went on for like there was it was just so many stupid stuff. So many people died for no reason. But what I really love about this documentary, probably more than anything else, is that it's not just Vietnam War from the American side. It's from the Vietnamese side. Like we're talking to vets that fought on the other side of the war, what their motivations were, what their lives were before and after the war. Super interesting stuff. So if you guys have Netflix, it's very very long, but I I tell you, you watch the first half of the first episode and you're going to be sucked into
0: it yeah i love ken burns documentaries because they they are a deep dive into thorough, uh,
1: thorough. Spent 10 years on this one 10 yeah, years making yeah. this one documentary
0: They're, they've always been i had an ex who um was obsessed with the civil war and we watched his civil war yeah
1: i saw that's on there i think i might i think i might just try to watch Dude, again it,
0: i think what he does is not only does he tell you the truth but he tells you the humanity
1: of all of these stories and that's the thing. Like when you, like when you, especially when I heard of war, it was always so many statistics and things like that. But when you actually like talk to people who are like, no, these are my memories of like being with these guys and we were in this war not knowing if we were supposed to be there or not. We just were trying to survive and come home. Like it's just all very compelling stuff.
0: Which also makes uh the Forrest, I think Forrest Gump was my first uh, exposure yeah. to Vietnam. 100%. War. All I knew about Vietnam was Forrest Gump
1: before this. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I mean, but that, that, uh, that's all I have to say about that, I guess.
1: <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. What's your homework, homework bro? What'd you say? What's your homework?
0: My homework uh, is actually um, a little bit of Daniel Harris. Um, I'm going to bring up Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. It it's is. Movie. It's a great movie. It's one of those movies that I love because it just could not be made today. Like, there are so many things that are very specific to the era. Is that <laughs> Elizabeth's shoe? Uh,
1: or is that Christina Applegate? It's
0: Christina Applegate. I, I had Christina to look
1: Applegate. up... Yeah, it's Christina Applegate. I, I was confusing with English Adventures of, of Babysitting. Yeah, you're right.
0: All right, cool. No, no, no. This is Christina Applegate. Uh, right away, yeah. Rose. I love this movie. It is a such a fun 80s movie to watch. Uh, she literally... <laughs> She literally copies her resume out of a book. And I mean verbatim. Doesn't change anything but the name and gets
1: a job. I was like, that just would not fly nowadays. Uh, I just love how they're just showing how easy it was to lie on the resume. (laughs) Like, before the internet, Jesus, there was no way that they could...
0: Yeah, exactly. People would just be like, I went here, and everybody would be like, all right, cool. Like, what are you going to do, lie on your resume? Yeah, yeah sure, whatever. <laughs> it was like a nationwide honor system, and it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. so the freedom you should- of it definitely check out that movie don't tell mom the babysitter's dead
1: it's also super empowering from like a young female perspective of just like you have this girl i think she's still in high school maybe and she like is able to be super successful and take care of her family and work a job it's just it's really a a pro woman yeah it is
0: um as netflix likes to tell me i like movies with a strong female lead um, yeah. And then also check out the Backtail cast. Um, it's the podcast that. Is all about uh, women in film and whether or not they interact with each other. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone's heard about the Bechdel test. This is a podcast that goes through kind of a lot of our favorite movies from the past and just sees if they hold up. And as expected, a lot don't. But you're also surprised at the ones that do. There are lots of movies that are kind of written off as um, shallow or you know whatever, and they do a really good job at showing women. Uh, interacting they they did one that i looked at that was uh old jumanji versus new jumanji oh uh, yeah it was pretty good pretty good conversation so check that out yeah awesome all right anything else um uh, yeah hashtag bring back to panga Hashtag bring back Topanga, for sure. All right, uh, so that'll be our episode. Thank you for listening to Brummeets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Uh, If you haven't, leave us a rating. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Email us at... Meets world at gmail.com we love hearing from you guys on twitter and all of our other things you can find me on twitter at extra siege that's x-t-r-a-c-e-e-j uh tc you can find me at a braver me can... alright you guys remember to dream try and
1: do good guys also send us, good. send
0: us your request for tc's penis name all right.
1: Yeah, yeah, we need those. I, I I have an unnamed I have unnamed genitalia right now, guys. We can't <laughs> let this stand.
0: Later, bros. Later, bruh.